Amen, amen. Yeah, are you ready for the word today? Man, let's get into it. I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 54. Isaiah 54. Some of us, our Bibles just fall open there now when we open it to Isaiah. We've been there for a couple weeks. We're going to be here again today. God's got us in a series right now, a word that the Lord has spoken to us as a church for this year. The word is don't hold back. Don't hold back. Isaiah 54, verse 2. Did you find it yet? Should we pause and pray for the eagles? Is that? No, that's... I'm going to leave that to you. I'm a, I don't know if I even have that much faith, to be honest with you. Well, it's been great being with you today. I appreciate you. Appreciate you coming to church this morning. I just shot the whole service right there in the first 30 seconds. <laughs> Man, it's good to be in God's house with you on Super Bowl Sunday or any Sunday. Here's what the word of the Lord says, Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Now, without unpacking all of the backstory of this verse, let me just catch you up to speed with where we've been. The, the word that God is speaking to us from this text is a, is a message that says, Move forward with confidence and don't hold back. Don't hesitate in moving forward. And, and here's why. Here's the context. Because I, says the Lord, am doing a new thing. I, I'm, I'm going before you. I'm going to war on your behalf. And so, in fact, what I want to do this morning is let's go to the end of the chapter. I want you to see the last two verses that kind of sums up this chapter. Verse 16, the Lord says, see, it is I who created the blacksmith, who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. And it is I who have created the destroyer to wreak havoc. Now, I know that doesn't sound very encouraging, but let me tell you what the Lord is saying. The Lord is saying, I have a different perspective on the conflict than you do. You're worried about the weapons that are coming against you. You're worried about the adversity. And there's a lot of Christians in, in, in our culture today that are like this. They're fretting over the, the strategies of the enemy. They're, they're, they're fretting about the, the, the issues of the day. And look at what these people over here are doing. And, and look at the, the weapons that are being formed against the church over there. There are people in the church that are, that are concerned about those that would wreak havoc, this verse says, against you. But here's what God says. Those weapons that you're worried about, I created the blacksmith that forged those weapons in the fire. The, the warrior that's wreaking havoc, I created the warrior. And so God's saying, like, you might be worried on this level in the conflict, but I see things differently. I sit, and I rule, and I reign above it all. And so then he goes in the next verse, and he says this, no weapon forged against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage 
of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me, says God. So the Lord says, I, I know you're worried about these things that are happening, and you're worried about these people that are coming against you, but no weapon that is forged is going to prosper. It might be formed, but it won't prosper. Why? Because I rule and reign above it all, and I have already spoken a greater word. I've spoken about the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And so, so God, in this context, gives us an application. He says, here's what I need you to do. And it's in verse 2. He says, enlarge the place of your tent. We talked about that last week. And, and what he's saying is, make room. Enlarge the place. Make room in your heart. Make room in your life. Make room in your mind, in your imagination for the possibility of what God can do. Like, go ahead and get ready and believe. And so last week, we talked about having a God-sized and a God-sanctified dream for your life, for his purpose, for his plan for you to say, God, I, I believe you can do it. So I'm going to just begin to make room in my heart, in my mind for what you can do. Now, hear this. Getting a bigger vision of what God can do has to be followed by getting a bigger vision for what God can do through the power of his Holy Spirit in you. God's not just saying, sit back, wait, and watch while I do something. God's saying, I need you to enlarge the place of your tent, but I also need you to stretch your curtains wide. It's time to stretch. In fact, you know, it's still early enough. If, if I just stretch right now, it feels pretty good. How, how many of you just, you like to get a good stretch? Don't, don't punch anybody in the face, but why don't you just stretch for just a moment and tell somebody, it's time to stretch. It's time. It's time to stretch. There's an amazing story most of you are familiar with. In Exodus chapter 14, Moses has led God's people out of bondage in Egypt. They're at the, the banks of the Red Sea. They can't go any farther. And then here come the chariots and horsemen of Egypt's army hot on their trails. And so now Moses, he's only been leading for a little while. And it feels like he's led the people to an impossibility. And so right there in that moment, he begins to cry out to God. I mean, why wouldn't you, right? I mean, there's nothing I can do from here. So he begins to cry out to God in Prayer, But I want you to see what the Lord says. In Exodus 14, verse 15, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. I mean, can you imagine if you're there, you're Moses in this moment, you're like, move on where? Like, there's nowhere to go. That's why I'm crying out. God, there's nothing I can do. God says, tell them to move on. And look at what he says next in verse 16. Raise your staff. And stretch out your hand. Come on, somebody say stretch out. Stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through on the dry ground. If you get down to verse 21, it says that's exactly what he did. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and he turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. In 2 Kings chapter 4, there's this incredible story about a Shunammite woman. The prophet Elijah comes into her town, and she tells her husband, that's a man of God. In other words, she recognized the spirit of God in his life, and she said, I want that in our home. 
I want that anointing. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to enlarge the place of our tent. Any of you guys ever have your wife get an idea like, hey, we need, we need, to, we need to expand the house. So she tells her husband, we're going to build an addition. I want you to put a, another room on the roof. We're going to put a bed in it. It's going to have a little table. It's going to have a little lamp. And anytime the prophet comes into town, he can stay at our house. We're going to enlarge our territory here and make room for the prophet. So they did. And Elisha stayed with him. And eventually he wanted to repay them. And she said, I don't need anything. But his servant Gehazi said, well, she doesn't have any children. And so he prophesies and he says, by this time next year, you'll have a son. A year later, sure enough, they've got a bouncing baby boy. A few more years, the little boy's out in the field with his dad, working in the heat of the day, and suddenly he says, my head, my head, and he falls to the ground. Dad scoops him up, runs in the house, lays him in his mother's lap. I'm, I'm butchering a quote, but I'm telling you all of 2 Kings chapter 4 right now. Read it in your own time. She takes the child. He dies in her arms. She gives him back to her husband and said, go lay him in the prophet's bed. Go back to that place where we enlarged our place, where we made room for the anointing and the gift of God in our life. Go lay our son there. She saddled a donkey and she headed for the hill country to find the prophet Elisha. When Elisha sees her coming, he says to his servant Gehazi, go see if she's all right. He tries to stop her. She blows right by him. She says, I'm all right. She gets to the prophet Elijah, and he says, Gehazi, I want you to take my staff. Go back and lay it on the face of that little boy. But mom clung to his feet. She said, I'm not leaving until you go with me. Thank God for praying mamas, right? A little persistence, a little holy tenacity. He said, okay. So he gets there to the house. Gehazi's put the stick on the kid's face. Nothing's happening. So Gehazi leaves the room. Look at what it says in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 35. Elijah's in the, Elisha's in the room. It says, then he got on the bed and he lay on the boy. Mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. What did he do? He stretched himself out on him. And the boy grew warm. Elisha turned away. And he walked back and forth in the room. And then he got on the bed and he stretched out on him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and he opened his eyes. What an amazing story. Let me tell you another one. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus visits a synagogue on a Sunday morning or Saturday morning. And he gets to the synagogue and... There's a bunch of religious, religious people there. They want to trap Jesus. And, and there's a guy that faithfully attends that synagogue who has a shriveled hand. Knowing Jesus and his nature to heal the sick, they wanted to trap Jesus. So they said, Jesus, is it right to heal on the Sabbath? Because they had this rule that you can't do any work on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, if your sheep falls in a hole on the Sabbath, are you going to pick it up? It's always right to do good on the Sabbath. And then the Bible says in Matthew 12, Jesus said to the man, verse 13, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored just as sound as 
the other. Why am I telling you all these stories? Because sometimes God moves sovereignly, supernaturally, outside of anything you can do or think to do. But other times, the miracle comes in the stretching. Hear that today. Sometimes what God does, he does in response to our stretching of faith. And the Lord is saying to us as a church, it is time to begin to stretch. Listen, even your salvation was not a sovereign act of God the Father in heaven. It was a willful act of the Son on the earth. Jesus said, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down. And if I lay it down, I can take it back up again. And so what did he do? He stretched himself out. Nails driven in his hands and his feet. He stretched out, suspended between heaven and earth to purchase your salvation and mine. Sometimes God does miracles in the stretch. In Philippians chapter 3, the apostle Paul talked about his relationship with Christ. He said in verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. In the Greek language, that literally means to stretch yourself out towards something. I'm stretching myself toward what is ahead. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, look, I haven't arrived yet. I'm not everything I'm going to be, but I'm straining. I'm stretching towards the finish line. I'm stretching towards the high call of God in Christ Jesus. Don't hold back. Stretch. The only way that you're going to get more flexible is by stretching. And can I say it's true in the spiritual as well. The only way your faith grows is by testing. The testing of our faith. Paul talked about it. James talked about it. In Romans chapter 5, Paul's talking about boasting in the glory of God. But then he says this in verse 3. He says, not only do we boast in the glory of God, we also boast in our sufferings. We boast in our sufferings because... We know that suffering produces perseverance. Now, we get that, right? No pain, no gain. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, he says, produces character. I thank God for sports. I grew up playing sports. I know a lot of you grew up playing sports. You have kids that play sports. And and one of the things we love about it is it, it produces character, right? Teamwork, tenacity, working together, good sportsmanship, on and on and on. There's all kinds of benefits of perseverance because it produces character. But then it says character produces hope. And let me just say, that one's a little harder to truck with because I can understand how suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces good character. But I know a lot of characters that seem like upstanding citizens, good people, but they are hopeless. So you have to understand that what he's saying is th- these things are compounding. These things are, these are not just principles for life to say if, if, you, if you suffer, you'll, you'll develop perseverance. If you persevere, you'll develop character. And if you have character, you'll be filled with hope. What he's saying is those that glory in the Lord, those that glory in the Lord have a hope 
because their character has been developed through perseverance of suffering for the glory of God. It's not just suffering on the athletic field or, or, or striving and dealing with, uh, with a sickness. He's saying, no, no, no. This is about those who live for the glory of God. Not only do we hope in the glory of God, but we even persevere through suffering for his glory. And the character that's being developed in us is godliness. And as godliness is developed in us, we have a hope, a glorious hope. And verse 5 says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Can I just say to us today, if if your faith is going to last, it has to have some elasticity to it. You got to be a little bit flexible. You know, there's only nine beatitudes in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, but let me give you the 10th one. Blessed are the flexible for they will not be bent out of shape. I got a rubber band on my wrist today as a reminder. Have you ever needed a rubber band and then went digging through the drawers to find one, and then you found one in the back of the drawer, but you didn't know it's been there for three years, and you got that thing and you went to stretch it out, what happened? It snapped. It broke immediately. Why? It hasn't been stretched. And can I just say, there's a lot of Christians just like that. There's a lot of believers that when when tribulation comes, when struggle comes, when when trial and adversity comes against you, when the stretching happens, man, you've just been sitting dormant for too long. And you snap. And the rest of us can testify about it because you snapped on us. I mean, we start taking friendly fire. Man, you're mad at everybody. Like, nobody can do anything. Or What's wrong with you? You have snapped. Why? Because there, there's no flexibility. There's no elasticity in your soul. God wants to do a work. He's the only one in the room today that knows what tomorrow holds. He's the only one that knows what stretching is coming your way. That's why it's so important that in this moment we live from a posture that says, God, increase my faith. Stretch me. Can I just remind you today, because you will go through some hard stuff, there will be some suffering. There will be some perseverance. There will be some refining in the fire for your character. But God is not out to get you. He's out to stretch you. And we have to take a posture that says, God, I'm willing to go through a process of stretching so that I can have a faith that endures. I was reading this week about Evan Roberts. In 1904 and 1905, God used a 26-year-old preacher named Evan Roberts to usher in the Welsh revival. Is it just me or does he look like Eli Manning? (laughs) I don't know. I know it's the Super Bowl, but Evan Roberts was used by God in a span of nine months to lead 100,000 souls to Jesus in Wales. And from that, hundreds of thousands of souls all over the world were impacted by that work. I want to tell you how it started. When he was 25 years old, 
He visited a meeting where Seth Joshua was preaching, and he heard the evangelist pray this prayer. Lord, bend us. And the Holy Spirit spoke to Evan in that moment and said, that's what you need. So he came back to the meeting the next night. He had a powerful experience with the filling of the Holy Spirit. In fact, let me just read it to you in his own words. Remember, this 1904. He said, I felt a living power pervading my bosom. It took my breath away and my legs trembled exceedingly. This living power became stronger and stronger as each one prayed until I felt it would tear me apart. My whole bosom was a turmoil, and if I had not prayed, it would have burst. I fell on my knees with my arms over the seat in front of me. My face was bathed in perspiration, and the tears flowed in streams. I cried out, bend me, bend me. It was God's commending love that bent me. What a wave of peace flooded my bosom. I was filled with compassion for those who must bend at the judgment, and I wept. Following that, he writes, the salvation of the human soul was solemnly impressed on me. I felt ablaze with the desire to go through the length and breadth of Wales to tell of the Savior. The Bible tells us one day every knee will bend. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. May we pray today from a posture of humility, bend me, Lord. Not, not on that day when your, your kingdom is established in the earth and, and every knee bows, but God, right now in this moment, from a place of humility, God, I want to stretch out in faith, but I also want to stretch out in humility. God, would you bend me to have your way in my life? I want to tell you, church, our hearts will not break for the lost until our knees bend to the Lord. Bend me, God. Stretching the tent curtain wide means dying to self. It means saying less of my will and more of God's will be done. And one of the ways that he's stretching us is stretching us to have a heart for lost people. In this year, we're praying, God, help us to stretch open the doors of salvation even wider than we ever have before. Stretch wide the opportunity to bring more people to Jesus. And not just those within our reach, but Lord, those within the reach of those we're partnering with. This year, we've set a goal to give in missions more than we've ever Strive to give before. This year, above and beyond the tithe, we're designating funds specifically for kingdom expansion, and our goal for 2023 is $80,000. Amen. We want to sacrifice. We want to be stretched to see God's kingdom advance. And I want to tell you, he, he's going to do it through the church. The church is God's plan A for taking salvation to the world. And there is no plan B. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
it's the church that Jesus is building. So I believe every Christian ought, ought to be a tither. I believe we ought to begin with the tithe. A heart, a heart that is moved by God begins with the tithe, and it goes up from there. And we say, God, I'm willing to be stretched. I'm willing to be all in. I want to see your kingdom come. And here's the good news. To accomplish the will of God, you don't have to get a bigger tent. You just have to stretch the one you have. See, that's the excuse a lot of us would give. Like immediately when we see that the size and the scope of, of the things that God calls us to in his word, and the things that we sense in our heart, immediately we begin to look at our limitations. God never says to the people, I'm going to do great things, so I need you to improve. I need you to get better. I need you to go get more. No, he says, I need you to stretch what you have. I need you to increase your capacity. I need you to grow your faith. One of the ways we're stretching is through strategic partnership. I'm sure most of you have seen on the news this last week the devastation in Turkey and Syria from the earthquakes. We have partners right now with Convoy of Hope that are on the front lines in Turkey and Syria where multiple earthquakes and over 300 aftershocks have brought the death toll to more than 23,000 people. I have a hard time even wrapping my mind around that number. Over 83,000 people injured. I just saw an update last night that there are more than 12,000 buildings that were destroyed. So there's no way the, the responders could get to all those buildings in a week or even two weeks. So they know the death toll is just going to continue to climb from there. And yet, in a moment like that, we can go, what, what, what can I do? I mean, what, what impact can I have in that moment? And yet God has not called us to carry the whole burden ourselves. He's called us to put our hands to the plow, to be a part of a network, to be a part of the body of Christ, so much more than just one specific location, but to say, I'm, I'm working through my people all over the earth. Listen, answering the call of God is not a multiple choice option. You know, Paul talked about in Romans chapter 10, how, how can a person call on the Lord if they haven't heard? And how can they hear if somebody doesn't preach? And how is somebody going to preach if they're not sent? And a lot of times we, we look at that invitation and we, like it's a buffet, like do I want to I pray? Do I want to preach? Do I want to be a sender? And it's not multiple choice between pray, give, or go. It's all of the above. It's all of the above. We, we don't choose between reaching the neighbors or reaching the nations. It's all of the above. We don't choose between walking in compassion or, or walking in truth. It's not grace or truth. It's all of the above. It's not compassion or evangelism. It's all of the above. We have to pray and say, God, bend me. That, that, that my will would be submitted to your will. That my, my perspective and my preferences would be submitted to your will. I've been praying for years that God would do this miracle in our church. I've prayed for years that we would be able to give to missions what used to be the annual revenue of the church. 
that, that's been a prayer on my heart for several years. So I went back and I looked because I wanted to really make that prayer specific. And in 2012, before I came to this church, the annual revenue was $87,877.82. Now let me say, that's an impressive number. If you knew how many people attended the church at that time, that's an incredible testimony to the faithfulness Whoever was here, they were the tithe-paying people because that's an awesome number. But my prayer has been for years, God, help us to build this church to a place of health so that we can give away to missions what used to be the annual revenue. I believe this could be the year it happens. I believe God can do it through this church in this season. But listen, stretching out is not just about finances. It's about us committing ourselves to personal evangelism. It's about us deciding at the very least, I mean, even if you, you don't feel capable of sharing Jesus with somebody, determining to say, I'm going to be a bringer. I'm, I'm going to invite somebody else to come and experience what I experience in God's presence with God's people. Be a bringer. I heard a story a while back of a Catholic priest. He had given his message about Acts chapter 3, when Peter and John see the man at the gate called beautiful, he's crippled, and he says, alms to the poor, and they say, silver and gold have I none, but what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk, and the man's healed. And So he tells that story, and then he, he goes back into the office after the service, and, and he's counting the offering when a man in the church walks in, and, and he sees the man, and, and he's counting the offering, and he just kind of... Uh, laughingly says, well, no longer can we say silver and gold, have I none? And the guy responded and said, well, neither can we say to the crippled man, get up and walk. What a sad commentary. May we not ever become a church that has financial means and no power. I'd rather be broke and have the power of God in my life. In fact, when, when Paul was writing to Timothy, who was a young pastor in the ministry, he said in 2 Timothy 3, in the last days, there's going to be people like this. In verse 5, he said, they're going to have a form of godliness, but they'll deny the power thereof. And then he warns him, have nothing to do with those people. Like, don't waste your time on people that just want to look Christian. Don't waste your time on people that just want to go through the motions of religiosity. What you want is the power and the presence of God. The, the church that Jesus said, I'm going to build and the gates of hell won't prevail against it, that church was a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered church. That's the same church he's coming back for. And so Paul says, Timothy, don't have anything to do with any other form of lifeless, powerless church. Stretching out is not just about you and me trying harder. It's about letting the spirit of the living God stretch out inside of us. Can, can I tell you that you plus the Jesus in you is enough? It's enough. Full stop. It's enough. I don't know what the assignment is, but Jesus in you is enough. And it's not just about me trying to do more or you trying to, to behave better or accomplish more. It's about 
yielding our lives to the work, the inner work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this. He said, you can't put old, uh, old wineskins for new wine. If you put new wine in old wineskins, the wine's going to begin to ferment and expand, and it's going to burst those old wineskins. Why? Because they don't have any elasticity. They, they can't stretch anymore. So Jesus said, what you have to do is you put new wine in new wineskins. And what Jesus is saying is, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing, and, and you need to get ready, but the Holy Spirit is going to do a work on the inside of you that's going to stretch you from the inside. And if you're rigid and brittle and dried up and resistant to the work, you're going to snap. And you'll probably find another church that doesn't want a new thing. But God says, I'm going to do a new work. I want to expand in you by my Holy Spirit. So he's inviting us to pray. Stretch me. From the inside, Lord. You know, the prophet Jeremiah, he, he never had to worry about knowing what to say or how to say it. He felt the fire of God inside him so strong. He said, when I tried to hold it in, it was like a fire shut up in my bones. I couldn't contain it. And a lot of, a lot of us, we're like, oh, I, I would love for God to use me, but I don't know what I'd say. I don't, I don't know how the conversation would go. I'm, I'm not really sure if I know enough. We don't need more information. We need an impartation of the Holy Spirit's power. Because when the Holy Spirit begins to expand on the inside of you, I'm going to tell you, your problem is not going to be witnessing. It's going to be shutting up. You're like, oh, I just, ooh, I hope somebody asked me about my weekend. I hope somebody, I hope I have an opportunity to talk to somebody. I hope I have a chance. Jeremiah said it was like fire on the inside. As our worship team comes, we're going to just respond in a moment to, to this word in, in faith in a couple of ways. Number one, if you need a miracle today, if you need God to do a work in your body, in your heart, in your mind, in your family, in your finances, I want to tell you, you came to the right place today. You came to an atmosphere where faith is cultivated and I want to challenge you in these next few moments to begin to stretch your faith, to believe. Listen, the hardest miracle to believe for is the one you've already prayed for, the one you've already prayed about, and you haven't seen God answer it. So what are you going to do? Just put that faith in the back drawer? Like, well, I've prayed about that before. No. Stretch your faith. Some of us, maybe the Lord's dealing with you about direction in your life. God's purpose for you. You need to pray a prayer like Evan Roberts prayed. A prayer that changed the nation and, and touched the world. Bend me, Lord. Bend me. Make me flexible to your will. Lord, bend me. I want to be used by you, God. Some of us, we need to pray a prayer that says, God, stretch us out in compassion beyond our comfort zone. Stretch us out in evangelism. Beyond anything we've done before. Listen, God, God's not asking us to get outside of our comfort zone this year. He's inviting us to get a new comfort zone. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your curtains wide. 
We're going to pray today. Lord, would you stretch out in me? I don't want to leave this house today saying, I'm going to do more. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to be better. That's an exhausting way to live. But if you can say, I want the new wine of the Holy Spirit. I want the presence of God. The same way that Shunammite woman said, I want what the prophet has in my house. I'm going to make room. I'm going to make room for that presence to abide in my home, in my house, in my heart. You need to pray, Holy Spirit, would you stretch out in me? So I want to invite you, if you, could, if you can, would you stand all over this room? And our prayer team is going to come to the front to these altars. And we're going to just take these last few moments and we're just going to, we're going to turn this sanctuary into a house of prayer. If you've got a need in your life today, that's why this prayer team is here. We want to believe God with you for the miracle. We want to believe God with you for the breakthrough. So let's just take a few moments right now. If you want to come, these altars are open. Come now, even as I pray. God, we thank you so much for your presence today. God, we respond in faith to what you're saying. To not hold back. To not hold back. God, stretch us outside of ourselves. Stretch us beyond our skills, beyond our abilities, beyond our personality. All of the limitations that we would like to put on what you can do. Beyond our upbringing, our family of origin. Stretch us. God, never again will we look to our future making excuses from our past. Stretch us, God. Would you stretch us out by your Holy Spirit in us? God, I pray today for the person that is wrestling with the call of God on their life. The person here today that needs to pray a prayer like Evan Roberts and say, Bend me, Lord. I want to be used by you. I take a posture of humility today. My life is in your hands. I submit my future to you, God. Use me. Use me. Come on, just seek the Lord for a few moments. We're going to just declare his authority in this place.